Namaste, Namaskaram. Welcome to Khuni, the Crimes of India podcast. I'm Sneha, sitting in Hyderabad, currently going stir crazy and getting sick and tired of just talking to people on Zoom. Joining me on Skype, as usual, we have Aditi from Lucknow. Hey guys, how is everything doing? We have one more week of this wretched lockdown left. So, what is the first thing everyone is planning to do after this lockdown? Dude, is it weird that I'm missing my metro card? And I know exactly what I'm going to do after this ends. Provided all public places open and provided this thing doesn't extend for another 20 days or 28 days. First, I will go to my pool and I will swim. I haven't swum in forever now. And after that, if I'm still alive, I'll get all dressed up, get on the fucking metro and go to 040 Brewing and have a large glass of stout, which by the way is aptly named Shavasan. Four of those (laughs) and I'm pretty sure I'll have to call one of my friends to come pick me up after. And I know that the whole of Hyderabad will agree with me. How about you? What are you planning to get up to after this? Oh, I don't know. Today, my mom made me wash all of the groceries. That's right. She made me sit down and took out, take out packet by packet of masalas oh and dals and oils. And she made me put them in soapy water and clean them and leave them to dry. So I'm planning to stop doing that once this nightmare is over. <laughs> clearly. Wow, that's amazing. Also, I'm like kind of very excited about today's episode. Yeah. Today we are looking at India's first convicted female serial killer. KD Kempamma, aka Jayamma, aka Lakshmi, aka Santramma, and the one which he most commonly used, Mallika. For those who have still not caught on, we are talking about Cyanide Mallika. Yep. She preyed on vulnerable women and exploited their stupidity, according to me at least. And wait a second, it's not like I condone those murders. But still, she saw an opportunity and jumped on it. But I guess I'll tell you my hot take on her at the end of the episode. I think (laughs) let's begin now. (laughs) Okay, before we begin, let's talk about today's sources. We primarily refer to three books, Trials of Truth by Pinky Anand and Gauri Gobardhan, Queens of Crime by Sushant Singh, and of course, our very own Masaledar, Deadly Dozen by Anirban Bhattacharya. Honestly, Trials of Truth gives us a very short section on Cyanide Malika and it's mostly senior counsel Pinky Anand expressing her disbelief that a woman became a serial killer and does not give too many details. And the other two books are pretty much the same, full of details and we don't know whether they are verified or a product of the author's extremely fertile imagination. So, who is Cyanide Malika anyway? Kedi Kempama, a.k.a. Jayama, a.k.a. Lakshmi, a.k.a. Santramma, a.k.a. a few other names we did not mention, <laughs> was born in a place called Kaggalipura. That is literally a small town right now in the suburbs of what is Bangalore. I actually checked out this village on Google Maps and it is a quiet small town and apparently it's famous for bird watching. Also, it turns out that the village got its name from acacia trees that grow in and around the village. Oh, 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 so also it seems that they cleared out a grove of acacia trees and then they made the village. So that's that. 
anyway right now since we all know intimate details about where she was born let's move on <clears throat> guess who else was born in bangalore okay move <laughs> on anyway we know she was born there we also know that she did not finish her education we couldn't find any concrete source that could tell us exactly when and why she stopped studying but um one thing we could make out from reading all the articles and the books is that kempama was born into abject poverty yep i have a feeling she must have only signed up to primary school again we don't have any details regarding her family and anirban bhattacharya claims that she only studied up to class 5 as her parents could not afford to pay for her education after that so at least in the north especially in up and bihar lack of schools within reach is a major issue i mean yes poverty could have been one reason but uh, the, it could also be that uh, you know even though a primary school is at a convenient distance but middle schools and high schools tend to get farther and farther away and parents get scared of sending their girls alone to school because they worry that they'd be molested or you know something bad would happen on the way The next thing we know for sure is that she was married off young. Do we know how young was she a minor? I have no idea, man. Okay. She was married to a tailor named Devraj and he worked as a tailor at Nimhans Bangalore. Though I wonder why a mental hospital needs tailors. I mean, I know in regular hospitals they stitch gowns and masks, but why in mental hospitals? So, when I read that, I immediately called up Ranjini and mm. she said they might have for like emergencies. I don't know but anyway guys by the way Ranjini is my friend who helps us out with all of the psych stuff for this podcast she's a lawyer and also a psych student thank you Ranjini yes thanks Ranjini okay moving on turns out however that the money Devraj made as a tailor was not enough to make ends meet and Kempama had to work as a maid and contribute her salary for the household also Again, we don't have details on how long she was married or if she had any kids. Queens of Crime tells us that she lived in a two-bedroom house with her husband and three children. The book also claims that she was married for eight years, but we could not independently verify any of these details. But what all sources seem to agree on is that Kempama had a chit fund business and it failed spectacularly. Okay, I know most of our Indian listeners would already know what is a chit fund business, but we'll just explain it so that our American, French, German, New Zealander, and now Japanese and Irish listeners know what it is. Yeah, people in those countries are also listening. Anyway, <laughs> a chit fund <laughs> is a traditional savings and a borrowing mechanism. Now. as the members pool in a specified amount every month and one of them gets the entire sum this process is repeated every month till all members get the booty wow okay now the bidders accept amounts less than the pooled money in order to get to the kitty or the booty in a particular month the lowest bidder gets the pooled sum and the amount he foregoes is distributed among all the members Chit fund participants see this as a win-win situation. The bidder gets the money he desperately needs, and the other members get to pay a lower sum than the original amount agreed upon. For him, it is a quick loan that he will repay through monthly in- installments till the end of the chit. For them, it means better returns on their investments in the chit. 
the organizer also known as the foreman of the chit fund also benefits now though it all seems very rosy and convenient this has been the framework for many many chit fund scams in india in reality the foreman usually works for a chit fund company each chit fund company recruits say about 100 foremen and they each in turn convince another 100 people to become foremen and then find people to invest also it's like a pyramid scheme yep exactly like a pyramid scheme now these companies take advantage of the poor illiterate rural populace and lure them into investing and then they obviously run away with the money the companies make a killing and the poor people who invested usually end up losing their life savings and majorly this is because the poor in india do not trust banks this the season of nta crises my friend no one does okay there is not much information on this but we think that kempa ma was possibly a victim of large scale operation in the same way however the fact remains that investors will come to her to recover their money to them she was the face of the operation and people came knocking on her door to recover the money and frustrated with this her husband kicked her out now there are conflicting views about her husband also some say that he was abusive towards her others say that he was sick of her antics and asked her to leave turns out this was not the first time kempama committed a crime she was in fact in prison for 6 months for trying to steal jewelry for one of the houses where she worked as a maid you would think prison helped them reform but you know that's apparently not she was released and immediately started the chit fund which we as which we all know by now sunk spectacularly kempama wanted just one thing from her life one thing that will enable her to get many many things money Kempama wanted to become rich and quick. She loved gold and wanted money so she could buy as much of it as she could. This obsession South Indian aunties have with gold is very <laughs> real and very apparent even today. I shall regale you with more tidbits about this obsession we South Indians I guess as a whole have as we proceed further in the story. Now Kempama left home and did a few odd jobs here and there notably in Bangalore there is not much information on her life at this point that is until she started working as a goldsmith's assistant it was during this time that she was introduced to her weapon of choice potassium cyanide it was almost as if the whole universe conspired to bring her to this point in her life I think now is a good time as any to talk about potassium cyanide and why exactly Kempama came to know about it in the jewelry store where she worked. So potassium cyanide or cyanide as it's popularly known is a chemical compound which is used to clean jewelry. It also has other industrial applications. Uh anyway, it is a harmless looking white crystalline powder which is soluble in water and when ingested a lethal dose that is about 200 to 300 Ng can kill a human being within a matter of seconds fun fact cyanide pills were very popular among world war 2 soldiers for all our scientifically inclined listeners according to the center for disease control in america potassium cyanide releases hydrogen cyanide gas a highly toxic chemical asphyxiant that interferes with the body's ability to use oxygen 
Now, the sources are again varied on exactly how she obtained the cyanide in the shop, but we do know that for a fact she did. On 19th October 1999, Kempa Ma met her first victim, 30-year-old Mamata Rajan. Kempa Ma posed as a saintly woman who knew the ways of God and offered to do something called a Mandala Puja to alleviate Mamata's troubles. On 29th October, Kempama went to Mamta's house on the pretense of performing said puja. She started the puja, gave Mamta the holy water, which in this case was water laced with cyanide, and murdered the poor unsuspecting Mamta. After the event, she removed all of Mamta's gold jewellery, stuffed them into a bag and happily walked out of the house. You know, Aditi, even though this happened all the way back in 1999, even today, if you go to any temple across India, it's quite possible that we can run into a Mamta. I mean, I really cannot understand how she could just invite any random woman into her house. This is exactly what was Malika's MO. She identified a sad and gullible looking woman, offered to do some random puja, and asked to meet that woman at a pre-decided date and at a pre-decided place. She would also ask the woman to wear all her jewellery and the stupid, stupid South Indian woman would have actually worn it. Also, at the time of conducting the puja, Malika would recite some random gibberish as though she was performing a puja and then gives the victim a cyanide-laced water, sweet or whatever as prasadam. Now, Prasadam, for all those who don't know, is an offering given to God, usually food, during a ceremony in the Hindu religion. Later, the same is also distributed among the devotees. After Mamta, we don't know if Malika freaked out or was scared shitless, but whatever it was, she did not kill again. For eight long years. Till 2007. But you know what they say about man-eating tigers. Once they taste blood, they just cannot get enough of it. So in November 2007, Malika struck again. This time, it was in Kabbal village in Ramnagar district in Karnataka. The local Kabbalamma temple was famous for helping people who were distressed or thought that they had no solutions for their problems. Ergo, the perfect hunting ground for someone like Malika. 52-year-old Elizabeth was worried about her missing granddaughter. She came to the temple to seek some solace. Like a wolf that can smell fear, Kempa Ma was like a feral animal that could sense any kind of mental turmoil within the mind of her intended victim. Just so we all know, and I'm taking a small detour here, this is Sneha's very imaginative writing. So, you know, kudos to her. Okay, moving on. She approached Elizabeth and offered to do a special puja to help her locate her missing granddaughter. She asked Elizabeth to come dressed in her best sari and her best jewellery. Again, the story repeated itself. She performed some bogus puja and offered cyanide-laced Mysore Park to Elizabeth. Oh man, no, not Mysore Park. I actually like that. <laughs> okay. After the lady choked to death, Malika took all the jewellery from Elizabeth's body and left. And that's the thing. Everyone knows that all South Indian aunties have gold stacked at home. Okay, detour. Sorry, 
I am from North India and Sneha wrote this script and she is making me say it and I'm now realizing that I cannot make this joke. So, you know, Sneha, just do it. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, here goes. Everyone knows, okay, like all, most people who know South in anything about South India know that South Indian aunties, whether rich or poor, have some gold at home. It's like, I don't know, it's like a status symbol. It's what they aspire to. Like, literally the first thing I was made to buy with my first salary, and I'm not kidding, was gold, were gold earrings. Okay, so that's how it is. Now, the richer South Indians get, the worse this becomes. I have literally, and I kid you not, I have literally heard people who told me that they cannot repeat jewelry at functions. I repeat. They cannot. Apparently, they will get judged if they wear the same earring twice. Like, why? You can verify. You can ask your South Indian friends. I'm sure they know people. Sure, it's a, it is a good investment. Great investment. But don't parade around wearing it. Aditi, did you hear any, any, any South Indian talk about gold like this? I don't want to say it because I'm from North India and I will get skewered. So, let's just move on with the story. Anyway, if you want more kicks out of this, please Google South Indian bride pictures. There is more jewelry than there is women. Google it. <laughs> See, Aditi, Adi, I know Aditi has some things to say, but she's just being like politically correct and nice and she's not going to yep. say it. So, I am. Coward. Anyway, now, Kempama's next victim was 60-year-old Yashodama, an asthma patient she met in Bangalore in December 2007. She claimed that she knew a puja to cure asthma. She lured her to Siddhaganga Mutt in Tumkur and murdered her. A few days later, she met her next victim, Muniyamma from Yelahanka. If the above two cases did not have any details, that is because we could not find the judgments in those cases. However, everything we are telling you about the facts of this case are true and proven in court. And I quote directly from the judgment. On 13 December 2007, the accused has gone to the house of the deceased Muniyamma, who was the resident of Chikkabumma Sandra near Yelahanka, Bangalore, and had taken her to Hattilakkamma Temple near Yediur. And on 15th December, she visited Siddhilingeshwara Swami Temple near Yediur within the jurisdiction of the Amritur police station and after securing room number 28 in Parvati block of the said temple, the accused, Kempamma, induced deceased Muniyamma to pray by closing her eyes and about 12.30 in the noon, the accused forcibly administered cyanide into the mouth of the deceased Muniyamma and pressed her mouth while said Muniyamma was closing her eyes and was praying. And after the deceased Muniamba breathed her last, the accused is alleged to have removed the gold chain and the gold ole from the body of the deceased and after locking the room from the outside, she escaped from the scene. Now, any of your listeners who knows what is a gold ole, please let us know and please forgive me for all the atrocious pronunciations. Moving on. Little did Kempama know that this murder would be the beginning of her undoing. On 18th December, a guest, Renu Prasad, complained to the secretary of the temple 
that a foul stench was coming from the rooms in the Parvati block. Further investigation led to the finding that the stench was coming from room 28, which was occupied by a woman named Lakshmi, and that she wasn't in the room and that the keys were with her. The police arrived and opened the room to find the dead body of Muniyamma. Police inquiries revealed that a duo of women claiming to be a mother and a daughter rented the room. Now, what the police found odd was that why did this woman Lakshmi pay three days rent if these two only intended to stay for a day? And in the meantime, Munyama's son Anjappa was getting antsy about his mother who did not return from her pilgrimage even after three days. He called his sister and he was shocked to find that his mother did not go alone. He registered a complaint in the Amritur police station. After a few days, Anjappa was informed of his mother's demise. The police had come to his house with photographs of Munyama's body and asked him to identify the same. A devastated Anjappa also observed something very odd in the photos. His mother's jewellery was missing. Now the police had a motive. Robbery. They had also figured out Kempama's MO. Oblivious to the fact that the police were catching on to her devious machinations, Malika murdered Pillamma, a priest at the Kempama temple. She lowered her to Vaidhinathishwara temple <coughs> near Madhur on the pretext of performing a mandal puja, rented a room in the temple chol tree and poisoned Pillamma. Her next victim was 30-year-old Nagaveni. Again, and at this point, I am getting sick and tired of repeating this, she claimed to know a special mandal puja to cure Nagavini's childlessness. She took her to the Ghati Sudramanya temple at Dodaballapur, made her drink cyanide-laced water and killed her. Her body was discovered on 18th December 2007. It really seems like Malika wanted to end the year with a bang. The police, meanwhile, realized that all the murders were connected. They began to retrace the last footsteps and movements of the victims. They contacted the families, room neighbors, who all confirmed one thing. All the victims were accompanied by a woman who called herself either Lakshmi or Malika or Savitramma, among other names. Once they realized that the robbery of jewels was the motive, they alerted all the jewellers to call the police if somebody tried to pawn off the jewellery. At this point, I'm pretty sure Malika was getting frustrated. She had jewellery but nowhere to sell it off. And on 30th December, finally, police arrested Malika in a bus stand where she was trying to sell cell phones to bystanders. Quite a change from the gold jewellery there. Turns out she narrated her entire story to the police who gave her the moniker Cyanide Malika. So also, this was the police's doing. I figured this was the press or something. Yeah. Creative I cannot police. even... Yeah, it's extremely creative. Okay, I cannot even imagine the disbelief or the reactions of the police when they realized that this 45-year-old, harmless-looking woman was the murderer of at least six women. The charge sheet was promptly prepared and the trial began. Now, while this was happening, her face was plastered all over the media. Police stations across Karnataka started communicating with each other. Finally. 
and that is how the world came to know about Renuka. Remember, we thought she hadn't killed for eight years between ninety-nine and two thousand seven. Well, turns out we all thought wrong. In two thousand six, Malika was working as a cook, and she befriended the housemaid. Her victim, though, was the maid's sister Renuka, who wanted a male child. Now again. because of a random lame and quite obsolete belief which still subsists in india an innocent woman fell into malika's web of terror malika took her to a temple in kolar district they checked into a dormitory and well at this point i'm pretty sure you all can guess the details in march 2012 malika was awarded the death sentence however the same was commuted to life in august 2012 in her book trials of truth pinky anand says that quote this case was in direct contrast to our traditional thinking that women resort to gruesome crimes only when forced to or under extreme circumstances that deeply affect the psyche she goes on to say that her main motivation was money and i think pinky anand is right here because uh, there is a there is a lot of literature which differentiates male and female uh, serial killers and a lot of serial female serial killers a there is less literature on them because they tend not to talk too much about their motivations they don't gloat like the male serial killers who start singing as soon as there is somebody <laughs> to listen to them yeah and uh, female serial killers usually kill for motives like revenge or for profit you know like those black widow uh, murderers mm-hmm. who who will seek out uh, victims who are rich and dying tend to them they die they take their money and they move on to their next victim so i think she falls into that profit motive category and here we will press pause on malika's story and talk about one very similar to hers the kudathai killings jolly much like her name was widely regarded as a jovial 47-year-old mother of two by her family and neighbors in Kudathai Kozhikode. She had had a tough life. She had been widowed in 2011 when her husband Roy Thomas committed suicide. This was hard on Jolly because 7 years ago in 2002, her mother-in-law Anna Ma had passed away due to food poisoning from mutton soup. A few years later, her father-in-law also passed away. and it seemed as though the family was cursed but jolly braved it all she found comfort in religion she was an active member of her congregation she helped out her neighbors she even became a lecturer at the prestigious national institute of technology and bit by bit picked up the pieces of her life again soon she fell in love with shaju a cousin of her deceased husband they bonded over their mutual trauma shaju had faced his own share of misfortunes he had lost his baby girl in 2014 tragedy had struck a second time in 2016 when his wife silly collapsed one day during a dental appointment and died soon after it seemed like jolly and shaju were kindred spirits they tied the knot in 2017 and as the wedding bells rang so did the loud blaring alarm bells relatives started piecing together the details of each death in the family details that had seemed unimportant suddenly assumed importance like how almost every death in the family happened after the victim had eaten a meal or like how jolly was always around 
Remember Roy, Jolly's husband? Suddenly his cyanide poisoning didn't seem like suicide anymore. People also remembered Anima's brother Matthew, who was the sole person in the family who suspected foul play in his nephew's death and has and had insisted on an autopsy, even though no autopsy had been done on Roy's parents. Matthew was the fourth death in the family. Jolly was with Silly when she had collapsed. Apparently, Jolly had given Silly a drink of water before she passed away. When the police were alerted, more astonishing secrets were revealed. For example, Jolly did not have a job at NIT. She had forged her employee ID and would pretend to go for work every day, but no one really knew where she went. So while the case is still unfolding and the police is talking to witnesses and gathering evidence, one thing is clear. Jolly stood to benefit the most from all these deaths. As matriarch Anima controlled the money on in the house, her father-in-law Tom was murdered over a property dispute. He was about to divide his property between his son and daughter, thereby excluding Jolly from the will. But after his death, Jolly allegedly forged his will as well. Jolly's husband, whose role in the murder of his parents is not clear, was murdered because of alleged marital troubles. Matthew had grown suspicious after his nephew's death, and Silly and her daughter were murdered most probably to clear way for Jolly and Shaju's wedding. So, like Malika, Jolly too sought to kill for profits. I might get yelled at for saying this, but she was ambitious. And in a way, saw crime as the only way to get what she wanted. She didn't have the means to get an education. And it was it's very clear that she was economically backward. Now, while working as a maid in the 90s Bangalore, she must have seen the rise of the upper middle class with their software jobs. And again, I don't agree with her methods, but ultimately she did what she had to. I mean, she could have pretended to be a fake Baba, just like the hundreds we have right now in India. And and she would have been worshipped if she was an educated woman who saw the same helpless and gullible women in temples and maybe started a bunch of self-help classes or, again, for the lack of a better word, exploited their helplessness in a non-lethal way, she probably would have been applauded as an entrepreneur. You never know. In conclusion, I still think South, Indian need to, South Indians need to get <laughs> over their obsession with gold. Really. Like in Feb, I took my nan to a temple near my house and I swear I saw at least one woman who was decked up in like, like total head to toe in jewelry. Why? 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 Dude, you're going to a temple. Like, isn't God supposed to be all knowing and all forgiving? I'm pretty sure that person doesn't care. Now, gold? Buy it. Sure. It's an investment. But keep it in the fucking locker. Don't parade around. Now, that is my hot take on gold and on cyanide, Malika. She saw an opportunity and she went for it. Oh, okay. That was quite a rant. And that was quite a story of India's first female serial killer. Wow. Okay. Now, did you know that while she was in the Bangalore jail, and former TN, Tamil Nadu CM Jailalta was imprisoned there. This madam wanted to go meet her. And then? What do you mean? And then they obviously refused. 
anything man and and also this doesn't stop here she was neighbors with shashikala okay neighbors no. yeah <laughs> and later kempama was transferred to hindalga prison in belgavi because apparently shashikala felt her life was threatened <laughs> okay. wow did shashikala wear a lot of gold in the prison what she allowed i don't know about whether she was allowed or not but i'm pretty sure shashikala had a lot of jewelry at home <laughs> and also they're making a kannada movie on uh, kempama it's called silent malika i don't know who's acting in it but the actress looks really really like really hot and again 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 my hot take on the south indian movie industries cast someone who looks like the real deal don't you agree aditi yeah totally okay let us know what you think please share your feedback on insta and on twitter all the links are given in description box below again please don't troll be nice none of you have so far but i'm going to keep saying this because <laughs> i don't want to be trolled okay that's it for today see you very soon be safe and don't forget to wash your hands and ladies we know you like jewelry but don't wear it all at once see ya